the Mortal Yogi Podcast with me, Dougal Meacham. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever and wherever you are. Welcome to the morning, welcome to my morning, welcome to Yoga Chats. Got my cup of tea. Let's see who's checking in. Hey, Allison. Ah, it's this way around. Hey, Chris. Hey, Angus. Morning. Hey, Virginia. Hey, Jenny. How's it going? So, uh, the way this works, um, the format for Can't stay, you gotta teach. Have a good one. <laughs> uh, the way these uh, formats, these yoga chat works um, is that we're gonna talk about um, the idea of study and learning and intellectualization uh, today. Hello, hello, Laura. Hey. And uh, we're gonna um, again be inspired by the Tao Te Ching, specifically chapter number 20 um, this morning. And uh, then um, we're going to dive into beginners in yoga and bodily sensation. Uh, have a fair amount of chat around my teacher training um, chat groups this week. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Um, you need something to sit on. We're going to begin and end these sessions by simply sitting for five minutes. So please do take a comfortable seat and um, let's sit. You can have your eyes open. You can have your eyes closed. And... Uh, Hey Sabine, good morning. You're not having to work yet. Yeah, have your eyes open or closed. You want your pelvis above your knees, specifically your um, the bony parts of your hips want to be above your knees. Place your hands however you like. And as we begin this hour together, begin by noticing the silence.
the dark mystery. Into which sound, sensation, touch, smell seem to come out of from to where they return. Simply notice. And in this silence, notice its opposite. sound and sensation and touch, smell, thought. particularly thought. Notice thoughts coming. Notice thoughts sticking in your head. Simply notice.
Okay. Hey, Wendy Hansford Yoga. How's it going? So nice to see you. Long time. Hope you're good. Okay. So, uh, we are going to dive into today into the idea of intellectual thinking and uh, the Tao Te Ching, which is going to form the basis of most of these yoga chats, at least the philosophy side. Um, my favorite copy is, I know this is the wrong way around if you're live with me on Instagram right now, but uh, this is my favorite copy, Red Pine. He's an American translator. Um, spent a long time in Taiwan, just like I have. Um, much respect for him. And his Laozi's Tao Te Ching is a good copy to pick up. Um, uh, so I'm going to begin by uh, reading the Chinese version of the, of, the po of the chapter. Every chapter in the book is, I mean, that's the whole thing. So max two minutes. And many of you I know don't speak Chinese listening to this. And so clearly you're not going to understand what I'm saying. However, just in the same way as many of you are yoga people out there, just in the same way as, for example, um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is recited, or many of the Vedas are recited, they are mantras, mantra, man from manas, and from the many of the sounds which have man, mental, mind in English have the same um, reference. It's referring to some things in your mind. So mantras are to do with something in your mind. And tra sometimes is translated as instrument. So mantras are instruments of your mind. They are, they are tools with which you can play the music of, uh, of a message or a sound or an idea or a meaning in your head. So just listen to, this, to, the, um, to the Chinese and it's written in verse, so it's poetry, so it should be pleasant to listen to. Here we go. Jue xue wu you wei yu he qi xiang ji he mei yu e qi xiang qi he ruo ren zhi shuo wei yi bu ke bu wei wang qi Mo Yang Zai Zong Ren Xi Xi Ruin Yu Da Lao Er Chun Deng Tai Wo Bo Yen Mo Zhao Ruin Er Mo He Lei Xi Ruo Wu Suo Gui Zong Ren Xie Yu Yu Wo Du Ruo Yi Wo Yu Ren Zhi Xin Ye Chun Chun Xi Yu Ren Zhao Zhao Wo Du Ruo Hun Xi Yu Ren Cha Cha Wo Du Hun Hun Xi Wu Xi Qi Ruo Hai Wang Xi Qi Ruo Suo Zhi 
，众人学有以有矣。我独完且鄙，我独于鄙于人，而贵十母。Nice sounding language, I think. That's why I spend a lot of my life trying to study it. Let's listen to the English. Now I'm going to give you, as always, my game here. Particularly if you go and buy the book, which I highly recommend, then you can、uh, you can read this. This book has been translated thousands of times, probably now. Uh, into English, never mind other European languages. So, go and find a good copy that you like. So, I'm not going to add to the translations. I'm going to paraphrase because I think even when you buy this book, you can read this for decades and still not have any idea what it's going on about. It's so poetic and so kind of mystical. So, I'm going to read、uh, my kind of free translation, which is aiming more at getting at the spirit of the text rather than. A direct, like linguistic etymological accuracy. So, the、uh, this text,、uh, the first line is pretty much what we're all about. So, if you're like, oh my God, this is、um, uh, this is、uh, philosophy. I hate philosophy. You can listen to this one line and then you're done. We're pretty much this is the whole subject of what we're going to talk about today. So, the first line is dump learning, be free. Yum and yuck. Well, they're just thinking. Angels and devils. It's the same thing. Fear. Well, that cannot but be feared. Well, that never ends. We celebrate. We throw ourselves into the fire, and we throw ourselves on the stage of life. Meanwhile, I stay here, like a toddler at an adult's party. As if with nowhere to go, I look around the room. Most have too much, but I sip empty-handed. An ignoramus, simple, a fool to the core. Everyone's in the light. I alone sit in the dark. Everyone seems to be searching. I don't get it. It's as profound as the ocean depths. The mystery. Doesn't stop. What's with all their plans? Isn't it obvious? I'm just a stranger here in the corner, nourished by the mystery. So, what's this all about? I think the most profound thing of this whole thing, and it goes all the way through. I think every Eastern.、Um, Philosophical tradition is a massive moving away from learning and from study and from intellectualization. Now, what I'm meaning here is not a mass walk away like a dumbing down of life, so that you become an idiot. And you heard the word fool and ignoramus and simple in there a lot. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, if you listen to old people say, like, politics has got dumb in the last 20 years, or people aren't as smart as they used to be, and all this kind of stuff. The world's getting dumber, and kids are on smartphones, and they're getting dumber, and etc., etc. 
That's not what that's not what Louds is saying. It's not like, yay, let's all get dumb. Let's all stop learning. Let's abandon intellectualization. But what he is talking about, I feel, is a certain type of stuff which happens in our head. And this can be best understood by looking at the character for study, which is the second character right in this teaching. The character for study starts off with a very simple character. It doesn't matter if you're seeing it right way around or not. That's it. That's a picture. All Chinese characters are little pieces of art, are little pieces of abstract art, trying to show you it's not only a phonetic language, it's also uh, a visual, graphic language. And that is a picture of a baby, just fresh out, kind of new in the world. There you go. And this character over time has changed. So it's gone from that. And now this is the, one of the most simple characters. So it's kind of the top bit there has gone from, it's lost its whole head, just become like half a head or maybe a profile. And the character for learning is a baby. And on top of the baby is this. Those two marks there on what left and right hand side are a simplification of hands, of hands like that, kind of grabbing in and going on to the top of the baby's head. So if I write the modern character for study, there it is. You have a little baby or a young person and on top, kind of hands are coming in and maybe they're putting stuff in the, in the baby's head, like almost literally like uploading, I guess software engineers would say, uploading information into the baby's head. And this is one of the big ideas in, um, uh, in, in spiritual and philosophical traditions is that a lot of stuff is put in our heads, is put in our minds. And I would say there is no judgment whether this is good, or whether this is bad. But this whole chapter 20 of the Tao Te Ching is pointing to a problem and the first Sentences, give up learning, be free. Give up putting stuff in your head or having it put up in your head. And as I said, it's not a dumbing down. It's not saying be dumb, be stupid. But in the present world, there's a lot of thinking and a lot of learning and a lot of intellectualization of the way that we live. In this time during this COVID crisis, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, is a wonderful example of this. You get up in the morning, you read the news, you watch TV, you go on wherever you get your stuff from, and you get more information and more information and more information and more information. And how does that 
How does that work for you? <laughs> How's that going? Most people these days, let me put it another way. Thinking is not bad. Studying is not bad. Learning is not bad. But most people today have no idea when to stop or how to stop thinking. If I go even further, we are addicted to thinking. Just in the same way as we are addicted to drugs and substances and the internet and alcohol and sex and stimulation, etc. We're addicted to thinking and we cannot get out of our putting stuff into our heads. And so Lao Tzu here in this first, in this first sentence of the whole thing is saying, give it up. Stop putting stuff in your head. Because thinking in Eastern philosophy is only one aspect of your, your reality, of reality completely. We mistakenly think that if we're not thinking, and the English word is we are mindless. And that's not a, that's not a thing you want to uh, have anybody or accuse anybody, you're a mindless person. That's not a compliment in English at all. Or it's something that you do when you're asleep or when you're brain dead, like if you, you know, have a terrible accident. And so we are, in its worst, we are addicted to thinking, but certainly we are overthinking. Thinking is a good, thing to have in our lives, but if it's the only thing that you're doing, or overwhelmingly it's the only thing which is your life, well then you've lost touch with reality. Is thinking reality? All reality? We confuse thinking in our head with the ideals, with reality in the real world. For example, we would rather have likes on Instagram than real friends. We'd rather watch ourselves dancing on TikTok than have a real dance. We'd rather have money than true wealth. And when that's threatened, we are terrified. We are tied up in our minds and symbols and ideas rather than actual things. Because reality is not only ideas, it's also actual experience. And so this chapter, this teaching, is about less thinking. And from less thinking, will become, you will become less confused. Don't understand more. Don't learn more. Give it up. This is why yoga, I think, not only in the Chinese tradition, here we're talking about the Tao Te Ching, but this is the same in Patanjali. If you're not a Dada Jing uh, or does that not interest you, it's the same in Patanjali in his Yamas. There's one of the Yamas, the first of the eight limbs, is, uh, is about study. But it's not about going to school in the Western kind of modern sense, where we, you know, we learn maths and then we learn English and then we learn this and then we learn, you, go, you get this and you get more and more and more and more and then you can get more and more and more complex more rich. 
This is the opposite. In this Patanjali idea of study and in yoga, and I think that's why so many of us love yoga, because we, it gets us out of our head. Like, you know, you're doing that crazy hip opening pose with your arm all the way over here. And like, oh my God, you're not considering like your next career move. You're just trying to stay alive <laughs> in that pose. And so many Eastern philosophies and traditions say, stop thinking, get rid of thinking, get away from that into the present moment. And the way that Hatha yoga, physical yoga does that is through sense perception, is putting your body so through so much pain and intensity that your brain, your thinking aspect of your mind switches off. And if, if it's really good class and you're really throwing yourself into it, like you can't even say this is a good class or this is a strong pose or I'm hurting or wow. All labeling and, and kind of ideas and conceptualization just completely goes. And all you have is a raw experience of now, of exactly what's happening now. And that's what this teaching is about. He says right at the beginning, like, give up learning, be free, and the rest of it is all just late, just observations of people who are doing this planning and partying and drinking and saying this is good and this is bad this is all thinking labeling aspect of the mind and he says give that up there is something else in many ways all yoga philosophy is not there to teach you something it's not there to give you more information, to give you more uh, understanding. Yoga is very simple. It's there to give you presence. And you can't talk about that. The teacher can't tell you how to, how to be out of your thinking brain. You have to do that. It's an underlying kind of like the silence in our meditation that we just briefly had. It's underlying. It's always there. In the same way, you always have a possibility, an opportunity to tune, if you like, into that quiet. Thinking, however, when you sit down, many people, I, I guess you sat down just now, and as soon as you sat down, you know, for me, it's kind of breakfasty time. I've had kind of half my breakfast, <laughs> could have the half of my breakfast after this. But I sat down and I went, hmm, what am I going to have for the other half of my breakfast? And then thoughts are like little naughty children that want you know, they want your attention. And, you know, if you don't pay attention to a kid who wants attention, they start screaming and throwing stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then you got to get up. And thoughts are exactly like that. They're like magnets. They pull stuff to themselves. So you could sit there, where I could sit there with 
what am I going to have for breakfast? And then another thought comes along, well, ooh, I could have this. And then my stomach starts rumbling. My brain can actually create physical sensations in my body, which then become almost impossible or certainly very hard for me to overcome. They need, they take energy, then they need energy. And then, you know, the thought gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually, you know, I could have spent the whole five minutes of that meditation just planning my breakfast. And then I could have even forgotten about that. And then it kind of snowballs into, oh my God, look at the weather out there. This day is going to suck. I'm feeling terrible. And so I could have gone from, you know, sitting there to hungry, to planning my breakfast, to, oh my God, the weather. And, ah, oh, this is horrible. Just, <laughs> just sitting there doing nothing. Thoughts are addictive and most people don't even realize this. We have no idea that, that we, that our mind is pulling us around all over the place. The thinking aspect of your mind is pulling you around all over the place. We have no way of getting out. So this verse, this chapter is pointing to that. Get rid of learning, get rid of thinking. And what's behind there in a couple of uh, just sound bites from this, uh, from this verse is he says, dump learning, be free. Because yum and yuck, like and not like, that's just an idea. That's just thinking. Angels and devils, good and bad. Well, that's just thinking. And he goes on continuously throughout the whole verse. What's with all the plans? What's with all the planning forward and reminiscing about what just happened? Well, and then he says the last, last line, stranger in the corner. I'm nourished by my mystery. And this whole verse is kind of written, it's kind of funny, it's written from a kind of a baby perspective. Can you imagine like a baby in, a, in an adult's party watching the whole room with all the drama and the going on? The baby's just sitting there, just watching. That's exactly what Lao Tzu is inviting us to do um, in this verse. Just sit there and watch and find presence. And from that, you have a whole different richness of, far from it being bored and mundane and nothing happening, you have a, an incredible um, ability and sensitivity to the now and to another aspect of yourself. Let's try a little experiment. So, There you go. I didn't say anything for just four seconds. Were you able to, what happened? Did your mind start thinking of stuff and thoughts? Let's do it again. That was double the amount of time. You notice how many things start popping up into your head? like an avalanche or a rush of things like, hey, hey, 
hey, what a well, waves. We're not doing anything. Just like, just like that little kind of um, baby who you're not paying attention to. They want, they want, they want you. They want your love. They want your your presence. Thoughts are just like that. And you can get pulled in and pulled in. And I would have no hesitation to say that in Taoist and Buddhist and yoga philosophy, things like ADHD and OCD are exact exact kind of um, reflections of a society, of a culture which is addicted to thinking. And yoga and yin yoga or meditation Hatha yoga, vinyasa yoga, whatever you're doing is, a, is an antidote to all of this stuff. In fact, it's a lifestyle against from all of this stuff. So when you sit down or when you practice or however you do it, now you have kind of these two aspects of yourself you can be aware of. as the not thinking self. It's just being aware, just experiencing self. And there's the labeling, there's the thinking like if you look at, like if I look out the window now, like I can look at the, a tree and go, oh, that's a tree. And I could go, oh, what kind of tree is that? Oh, I don't know. But if I had a label, I could give it a label. And you could go down that whole line. Or I can just look at the tree and go, tree. Which is better, which, or which is worse? Well, this philosophy says both are equally valid. But our modern society is addicted to the second one. What kind of a tree is that? What could you do with that? Could you make tea out of that? Could you make medicine out of that? Could I chop it down and make some good furniture? Blah, 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 blah. Ow. So, give up learning. And allow yourself some time just to be, uh, just to be mindful. You'll very rarely see me using that word, mindful. That's a mistranslation of the Buddhist idea because mindful, full of what? Full of stuff. It's actually the opposite. It's not mindfulness. It's mind emptiness in many ways. So there we go. Chapter 20, Tao Te Ching. Have a read again. Listen to this again if you enjoyed that. Now let's get to the uh, question and answer section for this week. Um, this week, um, I've, uh, I follow um, a lot of the chat rooms um, from my teacher trainings um, where they, it's really great. They keep in uh, touch with each other and support each other through, um, through teaching and et cetera, et cetera. And um, two of the uh, teacher trainings independently came up this week with, oh my God, um, you know, I'm in lockdown. I've got lots of friends um, who know I do yoga and teach yoga. And um, uh, so I just started teaching a couple of them. They've come to me and said, like, I'm in pain or I'm, I'm emotionally and physically exhausted. Uh, but I've never done any yoga before. Uh, teach me. And they've started teaching absolute beginners um, yoga. And uh, with very interesting uh, kind of dramatic <laughs> effects. Well, can you just imagine? And one of these, um, one of these people, the explanation it was, hasn't moved for 20 years, is overweight, is in pain, is stressed, drinks, etc., etc., etc. 
and then just gone and done some yin yoga, which is fairly gentle. But the look on their face was not gentle at all. It was like, you know, a pose. And it's like, ah, ah, oh, 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 oh. And there the student is feeling there's a couple of things going on, but they, they've said things to the teacher like, wow, I feel worse after the yoga class than I did before the yoga class. What the hell is all this about? <laughs> I think this is fairly common, fairly common. And I think it keeps a lot of people away from yoga. And this teacher, uh, both of these teachers, uh, fairly newish teachers, youngest teachers, a couple of years under their belt, are freaked out because they're not sure what to do with the beginner. Are they, is the beginner going to kill themselves? Are they going to, you know, injure themselves? Are they going to be um, in a huge amount of? Are they going to do something bad, which the which which, uh, which is going to which is really going to hurt the new student? Well. Reel yourself back in. Many of you are yoga teachers listening to this. Reel yourself back in. and Remember your first times and days and weeks doing yoga. How did that feel? Like send me a couple of messages. Do you remember your first, first class? Uh, how did that go? <laughs> was it, was it, easy? Was it a walk in the park? Was it um, simple? I remember my first class. Uh, I walked to, I walked to, um, I decided, I don't know why, I was going to walk to my first class. I did my class, which is an hour, one hour beginning thing. And I remember, I remember (laughs) lying in Shavasana, which is now Shavasana at the end. I'm thinking like, I'm not sure I can get out of this room. <laughs> the teacher that I picked was a level one class, but it was a badass class. We ended up doing an Urdhvadhanarasana wheel pose at the end, or trying to in my case. And I got out and I showered and then I walked back and I was like, oh my God. I was, and then the next day, and I'd signed up for a month's free membership at this place, which I actually, I think I was doing yoga three times a week at that time. Just, I signed up and I thought, okay, I'm spent the money. Uh, I'm going to spend the money. I better get into this. But I was in agony. I was in absolute agony. I felt terrible. I started yoga way back uh, because I had a bad back. And I came out of my legs and my calves and my feet and my abs and my triceps and my biceps and my shoulders and my neck. They were all, it was horrible, horrible. And I had to go home and I took a huge kind of Epsom salts bath. And I was thinking like, oh my God, this is worse than when I began. Yeah, who's this? Oh, I did Ashtanga yoga a few years ago and oh my God. I was so lost. I felt as if I didn't have any flexibility and I was sore for two days. Yeah, I think this is, <laughs> this is a fairly common thing. So now when you are suddenly swamped and there's going to be a lot of this, I think in the next 
couple of months to a year, people who've never done yoga at all in their life ever and thought you were strange, weird, slightly, stra slightly scary. And now suddenly they're like, teach me yoga, dude. How come you're so chill and happy and relaxed and flexible? And they come into your class and you watching them and watching them. And if, it, if it's a one-on-one -on -one class on Instagram or whatever, it's not, it's not pretty to watch and it's not comfortable for them at all. And, and there's a fair amount of, if you're a newish teacher to all of this stuff is like, oh my God, like, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt these people. I don't want to break them, etc., etc. They're my friends. And, and you have no idea what to do. Well, I would say, number one, most beginners, and uh, you just have to read around the, their like media these days, most beginners and most adults that you'll meet are coming to yoga because they're already in pain. They're already unfit. They're already unwell mentally, emotionally, physically. And so the idea that you're going to a beginner, particularly a beginner, if they're unfit, that they're going to overstretch themselves or overdo it, that risk is fairly low, fairly, fairly low. If I look at people in yoga who injure themselves, it's not the beginners who injure themselves. It's the advanced people who injure themselves. Why? Because the beginners are too tight and too weak. They can't do handstand and Urva Dhanurasana and all the crazy, crazy poses. So it's almost, it's almost impossible for them to hurt themselves. The advanced people, let me try and put my foot behind my head. What happens if I get both feet behind my head and then squeeze up into a handstand? They're the people who are going to hurt themselves, not the beginners. So rest easy, young yoga teacher, newbie yoga teacher. It's, it's very, very difficult. And most beginner classes, and yin yoga is a good example, remember, are moderate. They are gentle-ish, at least on a sliding scale of Ashtanga level, you know, one to five bazillion uh, secret handshake Ashtanga that nobody knows those secret um, <laughs> sequences. So chill out. Number two, number two, most beginners, and I think this is, this is, this is almost even more important. Most beginners are not used to sensation in their body. They're not. And when they do whatever it is they're doing with you, Hatha yoga, Vinyasa level flow, Yin yoga, restorative yoga, their body's gonna be giving them information and feedback that they've almost never had before. And that sensation is going to be strong. Their hamstrings are tight. Their quadriceps are weak. So you give them a chair pose and make them hold that for 30 seconds. Their quadriceps haven't been, you know, haven't exercised since 1982. You make them do three utkatasanas or chair poses. Well, that's going to that's gonna be like steam coming out their ears, <laughs> tears running down their face. All the pores are going to be sweating. 
and our armpits are going to be like rivers <laughs> or lakes. It's like emergency stations. And, and then you do that, you know, several times and then they go away and their body's like, oh, what the hell just happened to me? So you are stressing parts of their body, which has just not been worked with since 1982. And that's highly stressful for them. And when some, when a living tissue hasn't been, you know, hasn't been uh, exercised and stressed and stretched and twisted and had blood go into it, the system is, you know, is, is, is under a huge amount of stress. And the beginner often interprets that as badness, as something which is, um, which is not good for them. Many, many, not all beginners say, oh, I feel worse now than I did before I began, and therefore I'm going to quit yoga, I'm going to stop yoga, that's enough. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible decision. And all of you listening to this, many of you are yoga teachers, you know that that is, that is, that is, that is a hump that we all go through. I'm learning an instrument right now. It sounds terrible. Um, I get frustrated. I get angry. I, I don't think I've thrown it around anywhere. But, um, but there's this, there's this, there's this little kind of barrier to entry, which many of us interpret in our early days as bad and as wrong as something uh, which is making the situation worse. And as long as you're teaching, you know, as long as you're not being overly aggressive with what you're doing with your beginner students, then it's almost impossible for you to injure them. So one of your big things now coming on to kind of the third thing from this. So they're, they're, they're new. It's almost impossible to hurt themselves. Number two, sensations are coming at them and they'll think it's worse. So number three You've got to work as hard as you can or be as teacherly as you can to gain their trust that these sensations that they're feeling are okay. Because like another, another little um, story from our family lockdown right here is like uh, my daughter has decided uh, that she's going to do an eight-week high-intensity training workout. And I went, sure, I'm a yoga teacher. That's easy. I'm fit. I can do that stuff. Let's do it together. <laughs> oh my God. How wrong uh, was I? I am fit and I am in good shape. But the way that we're doing this, these workouts a couple of times a week, up to five times a week, ow, ow, and ah, and my butt and my abs and... <laughs> My, my triceps and my core, which I think are all, um, yeah, how did that go? Painful, painful. I'm making faces just like the beginner is in, the, in, the, in your beginner's yoga class. It hurts. But my, my knowledge and my experience is that I know that that is, that is okay. I know that it's all right because I'm going to get fitter and stronger. I'm going to get that, those abs I've always wanted. <laughs> those abs I've always wanted, but I don't think I'm ever going to have. Uh, I know they will come with the practice. So 
when you're a newbie student and you give them like a simple trikonasana or a chaturanga dandasana or a plank or whatever you're teaching them and they're like oh my god i think i'm getting worse you could be there for them to say i know yeah i know i know it i know it feels like that and you've got to earn their trust as early on as you can it's okay newbie it's okay newbie it's all right newbie it's all right that's not bad that's all right stay with me breathe whatever however you do it but you gotta let them feel that that is a standard typical human response to moving a body which has never moved since 1982 as my example that's you know close to 40 years going on 40 years being comfortable with discomfort in our body is something that newbies just aren't everyone listening to this is you guys and that's why and but you know you know that that suffering is temporary and again it's coming back to the thinking brain so from the first part of this of this chat their brain will go into oh what if i hurt my back or i've you know i've slipped a disc or if I've, you know, ruptured my hamstrings, or if I've put my sacrum out, and they go into fear-mongering mode, thinking, 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 thinking. You've got to get them out of that as much as you can and get them trusting you, them trusting you as early on um, as you can. So to summarize, it's almost impossible for newbies to hurt themselves. Almost impossible. If you're concerned that it's possible they may have hurt themselves, You've gone too far, you've gone too aggressive. So dial it back slightly. Find something which is just pushing them but not killing them. Number two. Number two, pain and sensation in a newbie's body totally. Remember the first time you did yoga? I, you know, I had to be almost carried out of my first class and I wasn't happy. Someone just said here like two days in pain. And I went back and I went back and I went back and those and I began to be able to know the difference between good pain and bad pain. And this is, you know, this is complex stuff, but uh, hey, Nadine, uh, but you begin to know that difference, right? This is a big topic. We could talk about that more. And finally, do as much as you can, newbie yoga teacher, if you're a newbie student, to feel comfortable, gain their trust and try and let them know that it's okay. Like it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Come back, come back. And the pains that you came into yoga for the first place, whether it's a bad back, whether it's emotional suffering, whether it's mental torment, those things, what you really came for, those will start to improve. I don't think anybody comes to yoga and spends time in the practice and says that any of that stuff has got worse. Certainly might be times when it becomes um, overwhelming and intense, but rarely worse. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen it worse. So there you go. There's my tips for newbies. And we're talking today about, talk today about learning in the Dao De Jing and the idea of intellectualization and studying. 
And the balance of that with pure experience and present and what is overwhelmingly called mindfulness, but I would say is actually mind emptying. We're going to finish our time together with sitting just for five minutes. Please take a comfortable seat. Hello. Rest your hands on your lap if you like. Either close your eyes or open your eyes. Notice as soon as you go quiet and I stop speaking. How there is a rush of thinking, trying to understand or label. yoga practice, whatever discipline or tradition, whichever tradition style you come from, we all share at least traditionally this common aim of non-intellectualization but notice like a grouchy child or toddler and you don't think Thinking mind throws a strop, throws a tantrum. Just watch that too. Just watch.
there is nothing to understand. Experience is not understanding. That is just a concept. That's just an idea. I or no other yoga teacher can teach you this. However you do it, meditation, running, baking, yoga, may you find in yourself the ability simply to be present, no thinking. Life is not only thinking. It's presence. Simply being. Slowly begin to move and rock backwards and forwards, left and right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much for spending the last hour with me. This will be up on Spotify, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on YouTube, and here, right here on uh, Instagram Live the next 24 hours. Have a good one. Namaste. Bye-bye.